Everyone faces challenges every single day. Some are chosen and bring us joy. Some are given to us and bring struggle or pain. Whether the diagnosis of an illness, the news of a friend's death, the loss of a job, or a bike accident, we may be asked to step up to face issues that demand courage and perseverance. Hurt is just one of the many aspects of full lives. Each week on this show, ACT, Taking Hurt to Hope, Dr. Joanne Dahl helps us understand how we can use acceptance and commitment therapy to learn to accept what we cannot change and move forward into a valued life. Now, here's your host, Dr. Joanne Dahl. Welcome to ACT, Taking Hurt to Hope. Join us today for a program about that constant struggle with extra weight that most of us are carrying around. In fact, about 70% of Americans are struggling with overweight. And this is soon so in most of the Western world. So hopefully today's program can bring some hope into this struggle. Our guest today is Dr. Jason Lillies. Uh, Jason is an assistant professor at the Department of Psychiatry and Human Behavior at the Alpert Medical School of Brown University. And Jason is also the author of Acceptance and Commitment Therapy, which is part of the American Psychological Association's Theories of Psychotherapy series. And this book is available at Amazon.com under Jason Lilly's name. You can read more about Jason at his website, and you'll find that on webtalkradio.net. On today's program, just click on Jason Lilly's name. Welcome, Jason. Thank you for having me, Joanne. Jason, many of our listeners um, are carrying around extra weight, and they're feeling pretty hopeless in this struggle. So what could you give us for hope yeah, I think uh, people who are struggling with weight can often feel very alone. I think there's a lot of suffering and silence going on. Um, but in a way, we're, we're all in this together because it's such a widespread problem. I think the hope comes from the fact that we're finally learning some new ways of helping people that aren't about uh, blaming or telling them they just need more willpower. Yeah, that doesn't sound good. Um, Jason, tell me about those new ways. What 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 is new about and different about acceptance and commitment therapy? Well, acceptance and commitment therapy comes from this the standpoint that essentially, however you look now, <laughs> however you feel now, and whatever you think right now is okay. And so part of that is. Um, um, taking a compassionate stance towards yourself and everything that's going on inside you and um, using a platform of, of self-compassion to move forward in your life and create um, healthy habits that, that help you uh, have a, a life you want to live. Yeah. I like that you say self-compassion because I think most of our listeners or most of us if we ever started a diet we would start out by looking at ourselves in the mirror and feeling pretty disgusted of oh you see all that overweight and 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 with this you know self loathing almost 
get ourselves into a very strict diet or sentence ourselves to a diet. And I mean, that, why is that not a good idea? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I'll say to my patients sometimes that you can't hate yourself thin. <laughs> People <laughs> often, often think they can do that. And, and trying to lose weight becomes this sort of punishment in a way. Um, and what we've been learning over time is that this this just does not motivate y your behavior very well over time. So even if it does get you in the gym tomorrow or gets you to you know go on a diet for the next couple of weeks, that kind of motivation of of um, just fighting a a dislike of yourself um, does not does not keep you going over time, which is why I think we see, so many people um, either fail at diets or if they lose the weight, they often gain it back. Yeah. And, and it makes you feel bad about yourself too, right? Yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of um, stoking the fire, if you will. You know, if, if the only reason you're trying to lose weight is because you feel bad about yourself, well, in a way, you're kind of validating that, that bad thought or that bad feeling about yourself and saying, yeah, I really do have to have to fix myself. Um, now, if you contrast that with another approach, which is to say, you know, here are these things that I care about in my life and things I want more of in my life, and le leading a healthier life is going to help me get more of that. Well, that that's a much more positive way to approach um, the task of weight loss, and it's more sustainable over time. Well, in your in your experience, Jason, what what would those reasons be? I mean, what would be the contrast? Right. So you know, um, the things that that tend to motivate people over time are, for example, engaging in activities that they really like to do that maybe they have limitations about. So things that help them engage others socially, because now they can do certain activities with them, um, improving. Uh, partner relationships and partner intimacy, uh, being around for grandchildren and getting them to see see them grow up and hit milestones and be a positive impact in their life. Those are the kind of things that tend to help sustain uh, healthy living habits over time, as opposed to just not liking the way you look or kind of wanting people to not be so critical about you. Well, how does that work uh, if if Many people, you, you mentioned intimacy, and, and uh, m many people don't want to show their bodies or might feel ashamed of their bodies and might think that, okay, so first I have to lose weight, and then I can have the intimacy, or then I can show myself in a bathing suit. So mm -hmm. how does that work? Yeah, well, that's uh, th that can be a problem, and, and that's one of the ways that I think ACT is a lot different from uh, other approaches in terms of of dealing with weight loss. Often people who are overweight have do what I usually call they've pushed the pause button on life. So they've said, you know, these things that I want to do that I really care about, I can't do them until I kind of fix my body, until mm -hmm. my body's in a certain place. And then I'll do all these things. So ACT comes from the stance that, uh, no, in fact, you can do... <laughs> Uh, you know, save for some physical limitations, you can do all those things right now. And we want to help you live your life right now and have healthy 
habits be a part of that as you go along this journey. Um, so we, we try to help people push the play button again and do it right away. So while maintaining healthy habits can be positive for, you know, partner intimacy, mm-hmm. there's also nothing standing in the way right now of you doing positive things in the area of intimacy with your partner other than the kind of thoughts and feelings that go on inside your body. Yeah. You know, Jason, I have an example of that. Uh, I had a, a woman uh, who was actually, she was a, a politician, and so she was a, a known person in the village. And she she told me that one thing she would like to do is to go for a swim in the morning before she went to work in the public mm-hmm. bathhouse. And mm-hmm. I said, well, what's stopping you from that? And she said, well, because everyone would, you know, point at me and, and, mm-hmm. and, and even actually some some young boys had said how much water will be left by the time she gets in mm-hmm. and, and which i didn't believe you know people actually would say but um it was terrible and uh and so her idea was that she first had to lose the weight and then she could go for the swim but of course the swimming uh would have improved her life quality and help her lose weight right right yeah so and and i have a lot of compassion for her because our society is is pretty brutal towards people that are overweight. It seems to be the one of the last accepted things that you can joke about and make fun of and um, you know criticize people for without any kind of social repercussions. And so I, I, I understand her her pain in wanting to avoid the comments and the, the thoughts that she thinks others might have. And then there's also that, that problem that you're pointing out, you know, if you take, if you take a stance towards yourself that I, I can't kind of feel bad or I can't be judged by other people, uh, then a lot of stuff becomes off limits in your life. And, you know, like you said, the pool, you could say the same about going to the gym. You know, if you're going to go to the gym and work out, which is a very, you know, that's going to give you more energy. It's going to make you feel physically better. It's going to be consistent with a healthy lifestyle might allow you to do more activities, but you would have to show up to the fact that you might have some uncomfortable feelings and some uncomfortable thoughts in order to do that activity. And that's, that's really hard. That's part of um, what we try to do in ACT is help people, you know, accept that they're going to have uncomfortable thoughts and feelings when they pursue things they care about. Okay. So your advice uh, to this woman would be uh, that, if she could make room for those, you know, un- and even, and she has no control of what other people think about her or say about her, but uh, but a self-compassionate stance would be to actually uh, give herself the swim in the morning, together with those uncomfortable. Yes, I would say it, it's sort of like, uh, you know, you could picture her while she's swimming. She might have those uh, little uncomfortable thoughts and feelings, things on her back as she's taking that swim. It's sort of like carrying it along with you and making room for it while you do things you care about. Um, it, it's, it's maybe very, very simplistic to talk about, talk about it in that way because it is, is a very hard thing to ask people to do. But it is a, a real powerful way forward if you're able to, um, like you said, make room for, for those uncomfortable thoughts and feelings and still do the things that you want to do. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, because actually swimming is a wonderful reinforcer. It's a wonderful um, to feel the water on your body, and, and it is a self-compassionate thing to do. Mm-hmm. Jason, I wonder about... Yes, much like... Go ahead. I was just going to say, yes, yeah, swimming, much like dancing and other activities that, that feel really good to do, that people kind of stop doing when they're overweight for fear of, of you know, what others might think of them or, or um, their own thoughts about themselves. Sorry, I cut you off. Yeah, no, that's fine. Yeah, it seems much more boring to be in your head uh, like a dry swim with all your thoughts rather than actually be in the water or be in the dance. <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I wanted to ask you, Jason, uh, we know that uh, through the different uh, research about long-term effects of different diets that about everyone, about two-thirds of people gain back the weight that they have lost within one year, and nearly everybody gains back within three years. So Mm -hmm. why is it so hard to lose weight? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's a sad situation. And, um, if you, if you listen to, you know, the media or the news stories, they will continually cite personal factors or, or characterological flaws like people uh, not having self-control or not having enough willpower. And that's just simply not true. What's really going on is we live in a toxic food environment where everywhere you look and everywhere you go, really tasty, high-calorie, high-fat, high-sugar foods and beverages are available all the time. And we are constantly bombarded by food advertisements, food billboards, restaurants, everywhere we go. Um, And it's a surprise, really, that we're not even bigger than we are at this point. The kind of odds that that are stacked really against us maintaining a healthy weight. (laughs) Toxic food environment, that sounds... So that would be a way uh, to understand that, that actually it's... Uh, it's it's hard for us. It's hard for human beings today in this environment to maintain a normal weight. It's it's very hard, and so you have that toxic food environment, and then as a society, we're also kind of moving to a place where we uh, are becoming less tolerant of feeling uncomfortable, uh, and I mean that in the emotional sense. Um, when we feel emotions that we don't like, we we really uh, tend as a society to try to do something about it, make them go away. So it's not surprising living in the food environment that we live in that people turn to food to help them do that. Um, you, you know, food, if you think about eating your favorite food, whether it's ice cream or pizza or something, there's an immediate pleasure that you get from that in the moment. Mm. So food's a pretty reliable way to feel better right now. Of course, if you do that a lot uh, over the long term, it's likely to make you feel worse about yourself as you gain weight and, um, and you, you notice having guilt or unwanted thoughts or feelings. Is, is this a modern phenomenon, Jason? Because um, I, I just saw a romantic comedy where the uh, woman in the, in the movie, her boyfriend had broken up with her and she was devastated. And so her best friend calls her on the, she calls her best friend and the best friend ordinates 12 chocolate cream donuts to stop the hurt. Mm -hmm. Is this a new phenomena that we. 
Yeah, I think it's a combination because, you know, we're becoming less tolerant of feeling a certain way. And so you can see that in, in the rise of, of um, prescription drug use, for example. We're trying to kind of develop um, a prescription drug for, for any kind of emotional experience. And then when you have this availability of food, uh, now food, which has always been kind of a central part of cultures, has just become a dominant way of us dealing with the world. So we're, we're now, food is there when we're happy, food is there when we're sad, food's there at work, it's there socially, it's the way families gather at night. So um, it's, just, it's just everywhere. And I think there's this um, very, uh, it, uh, the availability of the food and, and kind of the way we deal with emotions has combined to create this sort of vicious cycle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh. Jason, I'm curious about you, why you got interested in, in, in this field. Yeah, I, this is a very personal um, uh, area for me. Uh, everyone in my immediate and extended family is either overweight or obese. And uh, I myself have, have struggled with weight and have been able to, to lose the weight. But I recognize that that kind of um, those sensibilities are inside me. So I've been I've been witnessing it my whole life. I've seen the struggle. Uh, I've seen uh, um, um, what it can do to people, how it can isolate them, how they can suffer in silence. And um, so this this really means a lot to me to be able to help the the, the few people that I can help in my work, and that um, uh, matters to me greatly. I like I like hearing your compassion, Jason, because I, f- I feel often um, when I have work uh, with people with overweight that, that I often feel like they have been mistreated <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. in the healthcare system. Uh, I don't know if that's your experience, but often my feeling is that when, uh, people who have struggled with uh, overweight. They are experts. They know about nutrition. They know what they should be doing. And so they don't need one more person telling them what to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, yeah, and that's, and that's, you know, usually what, they're go- what they run into is just another person um, who, telling them what to do. And, and, and they, like you said, they often, they often do know intellectually what's going on there. And so... Um, you know, people can feel really stigmatized uh, going to the doctor's office um, or just, you know, being around coworkers and friends who maybe have some unwanted advice for them. Uh, society can be, uh, is, you know, pretty brutal on, on people who are overweight. Um, and it's so much so that people often come to believe the things about themselves that society will say, like, I'm, I'm weak or I'm you know, there's something wrong with me. Um, and, and it can be really sad when people start internalizing those, those beliefs and, um, and get themselves kind of further isolated in their lives. So if a person was thinking that there's something wrong with me, um, and, and w- because sometimes you hear that, for example, there's something wrong with me, and then you might s- start eating and then thinking, I have no control over my eating. Uh, I, I'd have a bad character. Once I start, I can't stop, uh, and almost making this to to um, uh, 
as being some kind of something I have no control over. We're actually, we do have control. Or yeah, I, I like to tell tell people you you have you always have control over behavior, your own behavior. Um, you don't necessarily have control over what you think or feel. And so one of the things that's different about ACT is we try to help people um, exp have a different relationship to their thoughts and feelings. So what you were just describing is kind of a cycle where people are, are responding to the thoughts that are going on inside them with certain kinds of actions. And in ACT, what we're trying to teach people to do is slow that process down a little bit, tune in more to the thoughts you're having, and, and have a different experience to them. Start noticing them just uh, in addition to any meaning the words carry. Notice the process of thinking. Notice kind of how familiar these thoughts are, how old these thoughts are, and see if you can um, take a stance of figuring out whether or not it's useful for you to attend to this thought or not. And if it's, if it's not useful, if it's not moving you forward in your life, maybe that's something you can just make room for and you can watch those thoughts happen as opposed to kind of getting in there and trying to struggle with them. Okay. Jason, I know you're, you're a psychologist and you have patients. Could you, do you have an example of um, that where things have become more hopeful? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I, I think of a, a patient right now who um, a few years ago um, ha had the horrible occurrence of having a, a son die, which, which you know, no parent should ever have to go through, um, and struggling with, you know, uh, thoughts about um, what he should or shouldn't have done as a father, even though he had nothing to do with the death, um, and really unwanted f um, feelings of per pervasive feelings of sadness, and um, not surprisingly, he, he turned to food as a short-term comfort and gained a lot of weight well over 150 pounds. And um, so, so we've been working with him on a couple of areas. So one is um, helping him clarify his values. So not surprisingly, he really cares about his grandchildren. Um, and so his motivation for losing weight focuses a lot about being around for them and being able to engage in activities with them and have energy for putting time into that relationship. So that's his motivation. And then we've also worked on changing his relationship to thoughts and feelings. So he's going to be sad. I mean, that, that's not, that's not going to change. Maybe it'll be a little less over time, but um, the loss of a loved one is, is a big deal, and, and he's going to be sad sometimes. So we work on having it okay, be okay for him to be sad, so making room for the sadness without having to choose to have food in the short term to make himself feel better. And so those are kind of the fronts we're working with him on, engaging his life more and doing things he cares about, and also kind of changing his relationship with his emotions so that he doesn't have to try to fix them with food. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he's done very, very well, actually. He's lost a lot of weight and has really kind of taken these things to heart. Uh, it's a very oversimplified version that I've given right there, but it's mm -hmm. kind of a, a nice overview. Yeah, Maybe we could continue, Jason, and think that if, if, if uh, we have a person with us tonight, sitting with us that, with, that's struggling with weight, and you as a psychologist and an ACT therapist, um, how would you 
how would you approach this person so that you could give them some hope right now? Well, you know, I would, I would say first uh, that I'd validate the fact that everything that they've been doing to this point makes sense and is, is absolutely what's to be expected given the current environment that we're living in. So, so I'd start with a place of um, self, like self-compassion. Uh, give yourself a little bit of a, of a break for what's happened here. Um, and then I would, I would try to do similar things to what I just had described with the, the previous patient. I'd ask people to really sit down and think about and write about things that they care about, what's important to them. Try to discover some places where they push the pause button on life and just get your feet moving towards those things you care about right now. That would be the first piece. And then the other thing I'd try to work on is getting people to be more aware of their relationship with food. So are you using food as a way to kind of provide energy and fuel for you to do the things you care about in your life? Or is it being used in a way uh, that's um, helping you um, feel uh, pleasure in the short term or to, to um, deal with unwanted thoughts and feelings in the short term uh, at the expense of what's going on in the long term? And if that's the case, then we want to work on seeing if you can change that relationship and, in a sense, start being more comfortable being uncomfortable, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Make room for that discomfort and, um, and, and decouple that from the actual eating behavior that that's meant to be a nourishment act. Okay, so if I were to summarize you, Jason, um, start on the platform of self-compassion, giving yourself a break and being kind to yourself. Um, uh, go from the pause button to the play button of mm -hmm. um, getting back into your life now, mm -hmm. not in waiting, and um, and looking at uh, your relationship to food and looking at maybe wh what is my intention with this particular eating? Am I, am I trying to calm myself down or am I trying to get rid of an emotion or am I actually giving myself nutrition that I need? Is that... Is that, that a good that's summary? A, that's a great summary, Joanne. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Jason. Thank you so much for being with us on the program. I, I think everyone, our listeners, can hear the compassion you have in your work, and we wish you luck in your research. Thank you for having me on. Okay. We've been listening to Dr. Jason Lillies. Uh, Jason is an assistant professor at the Department of Psychiatry and Human Behavior at the Alpert Medical School at Brown University. Uh, so read more about Jason on his website when you look at webtalkradio.net and just click on his name. So remember to start at the platform of self-compassion and start getting back into your life. Thank you for joining us today. For more information about Joanne, please see her website at joannedahl.com or click on the host website button in front of you on the webtalkradio.net page. You may also see her books, The Art of Science of Valuing in Psychotherapy, Living Beyond Pain, Using Acceptance and Commitment Therapy to Ease Chronic Pain, Acceptance and Commitment Therapy for Chronic Pain, 
values in action, and epilepsy, a behavior medicine approach to assessment and treatment in children. All of these are found easily by clicking the cover or going to Amazon.com. We hope you'll join us again soon for another episode of ACT, Taking Hurt to Hope.